to the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste and the destination Prehistoric Taiwan. Food, it's Taiwan's obsession. From the sweet flavors of the sugary south to the strong salt and pickle taste of Hakka mountain cooking, every inch of Taiwan seems to be covered in a robust food culture of some kind. Taiwanese food in all of its forms has deep roots, and a new exhibit at the National Museum of Taiwan History traces the evolution of food here through time. The exhibit's English title, Nam Nam Taiwan, The Story of Dietary Culture, has a playful ring to it. But as museum researcher Zhang Yingzhi tells us today, the exhibit also has a serious message about waste, sustainability, and the future of Taiwan's food. Our story begins at an ancient trash heap. Ms. Zhang says these piles of ancient garbage can be found in all parts of Taiwan. These are the places where you'll find the earliest evidence of what Taiwan's prehistoric people ate. Remnants of shellfish, bones of animals like deer and boar, and carbonized seeds and plant fragments show that people lived, as you might expect, off of what they could find around them. For the most part, those who lived by the sea lived off of seafood, while those living inland hunted, leaving trash pits with more animal bones. This same principle of living off the land long determined what Taiwan's indigenous people ate. We have a much clearer picture of Aboriginal food culture, though, because these ways of eating are still around. I asked Ms. Zhang how the museum goes about introducing these food cultures, something many people in Taiwan today know little about. She says they've chosen three topics to focus on. Getting food, preparing food, and eating food. Each of these sections uses real objects to illustrate the sophisticated knowledge Aboriginal people have about their environment. The section on getting food features hunting knives, fishing kits, and farming tools, such as those used to dig up root vegetables. The section on preparing food shows mortars and pestles for pounding grain, along with steaming and boiling vessels made of copper and pottery. It's the section on eating food, though, that may be the most interesting. The plates and utensils on display show that for some indigenous groups, food culture is about far more than just eating. Ms. Zhang says that, for instance, the Dawu people of Orchid Island off Taiwan's southeast coast are a people with strong beliefs and taboos surrounding food. She says they believe that there are entire species of fish that should only be eaten by men or by women, by old or by young. It's taboo for a man to eat a type of fish reserved for women, or vice versa. Dawu men and women also use separate kinds of plates. There are rules about what food goes on what plate, too. She says the round plates for meat on display here can only be used for meat, never fish. A key message here, as throughout the exhibit, is about the importance of stable food supplies. The Dao people, for instance, are famed for their skill at catching the flying fish that pass by their island. But any flying fish spotted out of season is left alone and never caught. When people from China began arriving in Taiwan several centuries ago, they brought their own ideas about food with them. 
ideas very different from those of Taiwan's most ancient inhabitants. Ms. Zhang says that traditional Chinese attitudes towards food treat it like medicine. Food is divided into categories, hot, warm, cool, and cold. Each of these types of food has an impact on a person's health depending on when they're eaten. I asked Ms. Zhang how Taiwan and its environment have changed Chinese styles of cooking. She says that what's available in one place is different from what's available in another. But there's more. Taiwan is multicultural, and different groups of people have mixed and adapted to one another here. The example Ms. Zhang gives about how this has changed cooking is cooking from China's inland provinces and how it has been tailored to Taiwanese tastes. There's plenty of food in Taiwan today from places like Sichuan and Hunan, but this isn't necessarily something a person actually from Sichuan or Hunan would recognize as their own. The heat of the food might be taken down a notch, and so might the saltiness and other intense flavors. It's a matter of what Taiwanese people are prepared to eat. One of the highlights of this exhibit has to be the old-fashioned Taiwanese kitchen, a complete model with everything you might expect to see decades ago. Ms. Zhang says this type of kitchen dates from after the 1930s and continued to be common up until the introduction of gas ranges. At the center is an old-fashioned stove, the kind that once burned wood, on the wall is a printed image of the kitchen god. To the right, a round table is piled with wonderful-looking banquet dishes. Ms. Zhang says this kitchen reflects a time when metal and plastic were not yet so common. An array of bamboo baskets and steamers sit on the tables. Bamboo, wood, and pottery, long-lasting and easy to get, were the main materials. They're even used to make the upside-down baskets that cover finished food, keeping out bugs and stopping the cat or dog from sneaking a bit for themselves. Today's Taiwanese kitchens are tiny by comparison. Ms. Zhang says that shrinking household sizes and the rise of modern conveniences like electric pots have eliminated the need for so much space. There are other changes too. She says today's jars and containers are lightweight and easy to move, unlike the heavy-duty containers found in old kitchens like this one. There's another life-size model here, too, one that takes the idea of food culture a bit beyond just food. This is a Taiwanese institution, and I'm shocked to learn how recent an institution it is. I'm talking about the beetle nut stand. These can take the form of shop fronts or glass booths on the side of the road. They're marked out by distinctive fan-shaped light arrangements that blink in a rainbow of colors. In Taiwan, these seem to be just about everywhere you go. Ms. Zhang says the habit of chewing this stimulant nut in Taiwan goes back four or five thousand years. Old Chinese paintings show Aborigines climbing the palm-like betel nut trees to harvest some. Ms. Zhang says that these betel nuts would not have seemed strange to Chinese immigrants. They're chewed elsewhere too, including in mainland China. But it's these betel nut stands that are new. She says that before the 1990s, betel nuts were sold by elderly grandmas. They could also be found at Chinese pharmacies, where their medicinal properties were appreciated. 
She says that our image of betel nuts today, tooth loss, oral cancer, and a horrible red slime on the mouth, is far removed from the image people had of betel nuts in the past. Back then, it was used for trade or offered as a sign of hospitality. Still, this is one thing that might be better left in the history books. At the end of the exhibit, we come to a big model of a garbage truck. We still take our trash and dump it into piles, just like our prehistoric ancestors did. Only now, there's a lot more waste. There are throwaway utensils and materials that won't break down. Then there's the energy used to ship food in from distant places and to keep it fresh along the way. There's also waste in another form. Food just about to reach its expiration date gets thrown away. The future of Taiwan's food also faces another challenge, sustainability in an age of overfishing. Will the same species found in prehistoric trash heaps be around in the future? There are no guarantees. But Ms. Zhang says that in addition to teaching about the past, the exhibit is supposed to help change thinking about the future. At the exhibit, you'll find a consumer's guide developed by Taiwan's top research institute aimed at helping shoppers make good seafood choices. There's also discussion about food banks for food that's still good and still needed. Ms. Zhang says these are the sorts of things the exhibit hopes to highlight, the choices that can make a difference. Eating is something we do every day, she says, and Taiwanese habits can change again in the future if we start thinking now about how the way we eat impacts the world. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another Journey through